mention of mine on murder And the judge's gavel fell Jory found him guilty Gave him 16 years in hell He said, I ain't spending my life here Hey, and welcome to the show. My name is Luke. I am two quarters of uh, Flying the Wall podcast. Um, waiting on Big Waz to give us a call. I'm sitting here alone in the darkness, waiting for him. I'll just send him a quick text. Do it, man. So it's been Father's Day here, but I'm sure Warren's got a few things to say about that because he's a father of 25 children, believe it or not. I have three, three girls. Here we go. Here he is. The fuck what? Look at him. Ain't eh? calling, vibrating. Hey. Hey, going, mate. You're right. Yeah. You, you, you lost your way, have you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've had a few beers, Warren. Oh, have you? Fuck you. <laughs> fuck you, fucking Warren. traditional fucking Tuesday, is it? I've never fucking liked you, mate. Yeah? No, I figured. <laughs> no, I'm okay. You've been entertaining this for years. Yeah, yeah. No, I've only had Maybe one days. day I can tell him on a, a public forum of some kind. <laughs> yeah. As I, as I crank myself stupid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess it was either a podcast or a Skywriter. Yeah. Wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, raw. I went with <laughs> the more expensive it? option, which is the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You've called up, you're like, oh, basically, I, I need a guy to write, I've always hated you, Warren. Yeah, and that's a lot of and, letters. You pay yeah, by the letter with those there. bastards, yeah. That's got to be what? I mean, a hundred bucks a letter or something? Oh, mate, that's for your, that's for your second rate kind of Skywriter. Yeah. Yeah, where it looks a bit all like cursive and you can't read it after yeah, two seconds. Yeah, it's just, it's just yeah. blobby, powder, powdery smoke in the air. I can see why you went with a podcast then, mate. Yeah, yeah, so I hope you appreciate it. I was uh, dedication to get to episode 73 to then tell me. 
Yeah, I like. I've yeah. said it before. I like playing the long game. I like building your confidence up, getting you like yeah. in a really safe spot, <laughs> and then break your ass. <laughs> yes. Well, consider it broken, mate. Yeah. Consider it busted hey, wide open. Speaking of broken asses, we're talking about prison, and well, to be more specific, um, uh, prison breaks, jail breaks tonight, aren't we? Indeed, we are. Indeed, we are. Um, but we'll get on to that shortly. Um, right. Just wanted to catch up first. How was your Father's Day? It was very nice, thanks, mate. Happy Father's Day to you. Did you do anything special? Well, I was, you know, the most important person in the house for the day. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's what's special about it. So they, they fed you this time, did they? Yeah, yeah, oh, just nice. just the once, you know. Yeah. It was like, you know, he's gone without all week. Yeah, um, we'll give him a little bit of something, but it's on the floor. Yeah, yeah. Talking to your yeah. family behind your back, they they basically <laughs> have the level of respect they've got is somewhere between a stray dog and a homeless man. Um, somewhere between. Yeah, I, hope yeah. To, I, I would like to think the homeless man is a bit above the stray dog. <laughs> so they uh, like throwing you a bone on uh, Father's Day, at least, like literally throwing you a bone. I Oh, yeah, I was going to say, it's funny that you should say that because I wondered what had given them the idea just yeah. to give me the old bone <laughs> yeah. from the well, butchers, yeah. I suggested they get you the leash last year, so they got you that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, and did. then this year they said, we don't really don't want to spend that much money though this time. So right. I said, look, you okay. could just chuck him, in bu- chuck him a bone. You know, any bone will do. So yeah. yeah, it wasn't much. I mean, it really wasn't much of a bone, but it was a bone. Yeah, well, that's. I mean, you've got to be grateful for the small things, you know. Well, I was, I was overcome. Yeah, to be honest, <laughs> I was I was cummed over actually the right. other night. Yeah, well, I was going to say. So this is when when they rang you to say Happy Father's Day, was it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We wish you were our dad. Yeah, is that what they said? <laughs> yeah, I, I was. I, you know, I spend most days reading through their letters of how they wish I was their father, and I'm yeah. always, I'm always, you know, it's hard to find the time to write back. Of course, it's, I feels like I feel like Santa Claus. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> yes, so but, many, so many children are writing to you to say to be their dad. Yeah. yeah. But then I, what happens is I just refer them to this podcast and then I never hear from them again. So, <laughs> it's, <laughs> a good way, it's a good, safe way to do it. It's a, what do, you, what, do you, what do you call it? A, a parry. Is it a parry and a sword action? Like a good parry. Is that what you call oh, it? Oh, yeah, a good parry. You deflect it. You sort of, you know, yeah. you protect yourself from the strike. Yeah, and they can yeah. they can just fuck off. Um, yeah. yeah. So, oh, what did I do Father's Day? Uh, yeah, what did you do? You great usually, big Usually, usually I force the children to watch Star Wars, but I, went I was a, thinking about that. Yep. I went a bit easier on this year, and uh, we watched Greystoke's um, Tarzan, Lord of the Apes. Okay. Yeah, that's a that's a different choice. It's a classic. Thank you for giving me the entire title. Do you like that movie? It's been a long time since I saw it, but yeah, I did. Actually, it's Greystoke, Legend of Tarzan, Lord of the Apes. <laughs> Thank you very much for clarifying, because I was a, troubled. It's a fantastic movie. I urge you to watch it again soon, Warren, because yeah. it's really good. Strong, you strongly urge me? Yeah, yeah, it's a great movie. Christopher Lambert's sort of big breakout into the into sort of uh, major into league. the jungle. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah major league <laughs> cinema sort of stuff. Um, yeah, he done some, I think, some small scale porn before that, but. Okay. With apes. Um. Did he do some large-scale porn after that? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, he, was called the Hi- he wasn't called the Highlander for nothing. Wife. Yeah, that's right, <laughs> mate. He did, he did some porn up on Everest. Yeah. He did some porn up in the Di- in Nakatomi Plaza. In Scotland. Yeah, yeah. Yep, <laughs> in everywhere. the Highlands. <laughs> oh, that's right. Actually, just randomly, um, just because you said the Highlands in Scotland, Yeah. Uh, today I drove past 
uh, a road. Oh, yeah? No, yeah, yeah, I just nipped up there. Um, no, I drove past the road, and what it made me do was, was speak in an accent. <laughs> yeah? Uh, because it was spelt uh, T-O-O-T-A-L. So Tumble. you'd probably just Tumble. say Tootle, Tootle oh, Road. Tootle. Tootle yeah. Road. But I went, it's not a quarter of a road, it's not half a road, it's a chortle road. <laughs> ah, that's good, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's a chortle road, nothing to the distance. So that was my bit uh, of fun for the afternoon. Yeah, I like that. you gotta, you got to yeah. do what makes you happy in these crazy times, you know? Well, mate, I, I was I was singing with merriment after that. Yeah, I bet you were. So driving around naked and talking like a <laughs> Scotsman, if that's your cup of tea, then that's your cup of tea, you know? Simple as that's that. That's right, and I celebrated it all with a cup of tea at the end of it all. Oh, lovely. Yeah, um, it was great. So after I made him watch Lord of the Apes, uh, yes. what did he do then? Um, I think I just got quietly drunk in the corner and cried myself to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, can't, I actually can't remember. It's all a bit of a blur the last couple of days because it was my Mark. youngest daughter's birthday yesterday, which was a great day. We uh, spent. You're of course drunk for that as well. I'm guessing. <laughs> yeah, start a fight with her. I've never lied to you, mate. She's so like, no, Dad. You were going to say that to Was. <laughs> you oh, yeah. all your days I up. love <laughs> you, mate. Come here. <laughs> Uh, no, no, we spent most of the day in the garden uh, because the house was on fire. No, no. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you turned for dinner again, was it, mate? Yeah. yeah. No, no, we just played uh, – we play this new game that I've invented called Dodgeball where they've just got to run away. <laughs> they've got to run away while I try to throw the ball at their heads. They uh, never realised it was a bowling ball, did they? Yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah. It's a good yeah, way. Yeah, bachi. I've explained to the kids it's a good way of getting my aggression out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. And they're like, okay, whatever so we the, can do to help, Dad, whatever we can do, you know. They're an understanding bunch. They are. <laughs> We'd have to be live with me, I reckon. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, so. No, well, no. happy birthday to the to the young one. Thank you, mate. Um, and you, obviously your little one is your your second youngest one isn't too far far behind my youngest yeah, one, is she? Indeed. This coming weekend she'll be having the same the same year birthday yeah, that's as awesome. your little one. Yeah, that's awesome. Which is very cool, very nice indeed. Well, happy birthday to her in advance. Thanks very much. Well, she'll be expecting a call from you. I'll, I won't be around because she doesn't want me nearby. Yeah, Dubai. she'll be like, Dad, is my favourite dad going to call yeah, or is it just you? Right. <laughs> There's a bit of confusion because every time I like I wake up and they see me for the first time that day, there's that sudden kind of downtrodden look of That realisation, yeah. You see their, yeah, you see their you eyes well saying, up. It's okay, one day, guys, you know, I'll claim you. Yeah. And uh, every day that I'm here is one day too long. <laughs> well, I mean, you have said I'm the unofficial godfather. Yeah, I think you said. I, wish it, I had it. <laughs> I think you said it about the for your firstborn, but I've just claimed it for all your children. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it just keeps going. It doesn't matter what happens. Yeah. I think you've claimed it on everyone's children, yeah. haven't you, mate? Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Because I reckon the more targets I've got out the back for dodgeball, the better. That's you know? right. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> you talk about like they're joining some sort of you know family, some sort of higher fraternity, but really it's just about dodgeball. Yeah, targets. I'm loving dodgeball yeah. at the moment. Um, uh, yeah, well, that's good, as long as they see you smile. That's right. So in today's episode, we are talking about um, prison escapes. I've been yes. watching, um, uh, or the wife and I have been watching a series directed by Ben Stiller, of all people. 
um, uh, called, I think it's called Escape from Dannemore, and it's based on a true story about two chaps that um, escaped from prison um, in 2015, so not that long ago. Um, okay. And it's actually really compelling. It's a bit of a slow burn, but it's it's really really good. Uh, starring uh, Benicio del Toro, uh, Paul ah. Paul Dano, I think his name is, and also yes. Patricia Arquette. Um, okay, yeah. And Patricia Arquette doesn't look anything like Patricia Arquette. Like she's the makeup and all that kind of stuff. She's she and I think she's put on weight for the show. Um, right. Yeah, because I've always thought Patricia Arquette, uh, Arquette is quite. I put a, on weight for our show. <laughs> yeah. yeah, even before we had the show. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. I, I was, I was building up to it, mate. I knew this was a big thing coming up, uh, so yeah. you know, I started early. Yeah, you started yeah. before we even had the podcast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you just must be so grateful for my forward thinking. Oh, absolutely. I met you, and then you just started eating like a bastard. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a method eater. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> ah, that's good. No, but yeah, so I've always, like I've always thought Patricia um, yeah. is quite, quite a cute, quite attractive lady. But in this movie, she or this TV series, she's, she's not. definitely <laughs> not. Oh my god! But, but obviously, you know, she's she's thrown herself into the character, which is fantastic. Um, yeah. And yeah, honestly, it's really it's got really good reviews. Um, I think it was eight point five on IMDb. And okay. uh, yeah, definitely, it's on stand. So if anyone's got stand out there, definitely give it a crack because it's really really cool. I'm really enjoying it. Actually, right? if, if anyone's got stand, could you let him go again? Because he's getting a bit. Yeah. He's getting a bit worried. <laughs> yeah, he's very skinny now. Very, yeah. very Actually, it reminds me. Did I ever tell you about a guy I worked with called Stan or Stanley? Uh, I remember the name. It wasn't Stan Lee. But <laughs> no, no, Stanley. Well, he was one of these motherfuckers who always wants to know your the ins and outs of how much money you make, like constantly. Okay. So yeah. I was working with him, and I worked with him for about five years, and it was like every now and then he'd come in and go, because I had a different hours, long story short, I had different hours to everybody else. I started at six and finished at two, and I often did yeah. a lot of weekend work. Because you're the godfather. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. I've got to save up for some balls to throw at the kids. I fucking hours, okay? And he, yeah. uh, he was very much nine to five kind of guy, you know? So right. he'd always come to me and go, oh, you started early again. I go, yes, Stan. I, I start early every day. And he go, oh, okay. And you finish early. I go, yep. He goes, oh, is that like an afternoon shift or a morning shift? And I go, that's just a shift, mate. And then he'd be... <laughs> and I like he'd... your complete lack of tolerance. <laughs> yeah, fuck, he drove me nuts. And then he'd be what, like... Stanley, what? He'd always... <laughs> he'd always sort of like um, like smile at me, but like there's no smile there, you know, a humorous no. smile. And he was just like, oh, I bet, I bet you're earning good money. And I'd go, oh, I'd always be like, no, I'm, I'm happy with what I'm getting, yep. And he'd go, oh, yeah, yeah, you know. And he constantly making little side comments like that. Anyway, yeah. long story short, in the end... Um, this this was going on for a long, long time. Him always sort of yeah. making comments and I, and sometimes just outright asking me, oh, and he'd tell me what he's on. No, 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 right. he didn't tell me what he was on, but he'd say, oh, he complained about the money he was on, but he never told me the figure. Right. And in the end, I said to him, look, mate, I'm on the same as everybody else, $65 an hour. And this was, <laughs> this was 20 years ago when I was on yeah. like, I think I was on like $18 an hour. Yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> and he should have seen his face. His mouth. He was a he was an Indian Indian chap, and I only say that because he turned white after after I said that. <laughs> right. Okay. His face just dropped, and then he stormed off, and he went into the office, and then five oh, no. ten five ten minutes later, the accountant. 
came out to see me and said, ah, oh, can I talk to you for a minute, Luke? And I knew what it was. I said, yeah, yeah, no, what's, what's wrong? And he goes, oh, like, you know, Stanley's come in very upset because you said you're earning this much money and, and, and made him feel like <laughs> shit and stuff. And I said, and I told him the story and he started yeah. to chuckle and he goes, I don't blame you, mate. He goes, he goes, good reply. That's a good response to someone like that. And I said, yeah. I said, you can understand my frustration. So, um, yeah, anyway, so... Yes. So they gave you a pay rise and uh, got <laughs> Stan- rid of Stanley. Stanley was fired. Last time I saw yeah. him, he was destitute on the streets with his kids, <laughs> sucking dick for coin. <laughs> Bless him. Well, that uh, was good extra... That was kind of good extra pay for you too, wasn't it? A little yeah, extra job was, on the side. It was. <laughs> anyway, so stuff, uh, I've been watching this show on Stan... And, as, um, yeah, so it inspired me to think, oh, that would be a great uh, topic for the podcast, talking about all different infamous or famous uh, or not so famous um, prison escapes. So you want to get into some of that, Warren? I'll, play, I'll go to a short break and we'll get into some of that. Let's do it. Fly on the Wall podcast is the only podcast I listen to. And if you know a good thing, it'll be the only one that you bloody listen to as well. So get onto it. Fly on the wall podcast. Go and do yourself a favour and listen right now. And we are back in. We are Fly on the Wall Podcast. My name is Luke. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. It is Warren speaking. <laughs> uh, okay, we're talking of prison escapes. Why don't you shoot your lucky beans first, Warren? Okay, well... My main feature was actually what is now known as the Great Escape, but I thought I would go through a couple of other little uh, little uh, escapes and lead up to that one. Uh, World um, War Two escapes? You're talking? Well, just that one, just that one. Okay, that's yeah. the only one that's a World War Two escape. I okay. just wanted to do the Great Escape because that's my kind of interest level, you know? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so we'll start off with a with a recent-ish one, and and probably a well-known name to all of our listeners and viewers, uh, which is El Chapo. Ah, yep. Uh, otherwise known as Joaquin Guzman Luera. Wow, well, um, And he escaped from a federal social readaption centre number one, uh, which was in Mexico. Mexico. On July eleventh, two thousand and fifteen, yeah. and he was a you know he was a drug like baron, I suppose. He was a, the big guy, the big honcho. He was the overlord, and, yeah. And they did they used a blind spot in the shower uh, cavity, uh, shower and toileting cavity. Uh, well, supposedly a blind spot, and they went underneath that and then tunneled one point five kilometers. Wow, that's uh, underground. That's yeah. It's it's a fair whack when you think about the soil that would actually have to go in the removal. Yeah. But this is where I guess the it's clever. It was to a house construction site. Right. Um, so they could obviously get the dirt and and leave it there and it wouldn't really attract uh, excessive attention because of it's already it's under construction. Yeah, so that's you right. so if you saw a leave pile piles of dirt, of dirt everywhere, yeah. 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 But it had it had lights, it had air ventilation and it had a, a makeshift motorbike oh, yeah. that was used for the escape but also used in the construction of the tunnel as well. Obviously dealing with a one point five kilometer long tunnel, you would be wanting to cart it back and forth. Um yeah, using something. So that's and quite yeah, the yeah, serious uh, I suppose effort. You, I suppose you want the speed as well. You want it to be quick. Yeah. yeah. Once you're out, yeah, you want to, You just want to 
get moving as quick as you can away from there. Now, I mean, he he was only on the loose for about six months, so he was recaptured on the January the 8th, uh, 2016. Okay, yep. But it did attract a fair bit of attention at the time. I don't know if you remember any of the press stories. And everything. They were making a big hoo-ha over it. I do, um, yeah. And I guess, you know, in my mind, I always wonder how much kind of collusion was with any guards or any, um, you know, police people or who, who around the place was, you know, party to the information. Well, I think when you've got someone as notorious as that, like yeah. he's, he's got money everywhere. So he was, it was bound to be the case that he would be paying off someone. You know what I mean? Yeah, sure. yeah, that's right. 100% certain, even without any hard evidence, I would say I'm 100% certain that he did that too. It's, uh, you think, I mean, I don't know, I guess it's pretty hard to get out of the country, but I always think of these drug barons as almost uh, limitless in terms of the wealth that they have at yeah. their disposal. And I always think, oh, yeah, they've probably got a Learjet on their, you know, their private airfield. So as long as they can get to it, they can probably take themselves anywhere in the world within, you know, 48 hours. Yeah, that's um, right. But yeah, I don't know exactly the the intricates of of uh, his whereabouts or what have you. But yeah, six months out of prison, and then he was chucked back in again. Do you reckon he did any of the digging himself, or was he so? I highly doubt it. So baroness like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that he was I like, no, think... no, nah, nah, I'm not doing that. I'm going to sit here and I'm going to wait for my amigos to dig the hole for me. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> when they are gone. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to go zooming out of there on the motorbike. <laughs> yeah. But it's very, so, yeah. Uh, very Hollywood, isn't it, actually, that he had the motorbike and everything as well. It's kind of cool. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's it's definitely – it would make an interesting – look, I'm not going to say a movie. Yeah. Let's not give him the credit there. It would make a good <laughs> little TV episode on, on one of those cop shows we're not fans of. <laughs> I've, got, I've got one coming up that you'll really like, Warren. And a I, TV show. Uh, <laughs> a story that they should – Make into a movie, I reckon. But anyway, all right then. Uh, so why, why, I'd, what was Sean Penn's involvement in his escape? <laughs> <laughs> or did he just interview him before or after the escape? I don't have any idea, mate. Who knows? Oh, okay, there was some like big hoo ha about Sean Penn was was only the only one allowed to interview him or something. You know what? These people, they probably he was probably a fan. Yeah. And so it made an interesting, buzzy sort of story where the interest was already there, generated by that, you know, the stardom. Yeah, and, and Sorry, you go. And the particulars of the case. And people are probably like, oh, all right, yep, yeah, cool. I've got to tune in for that one. Who the fuck knows? El Chapo was like, hey, man, can you, can you be I Am Sam, man? Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> I love champagne, man. <laughs> I love the Beatles too, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I want them playing in the background. I want champagne to be the interviewer. <laughs> he sounds so full of himself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who, champagne or El Chapo? El Chapo. I think Sean Penn had tickets on himself for quite a while. Especially oh, I'm he, sure he does. Especially when he was banging McDon- Madonna. Yeah, yeah, don't they all? <laughs> well, I would too back in the day, but not now. If I bang, I was going to say it's a bit scary now, to be honest. Yeah, if I bang Madonna now, I think I'd drown in my own vomit. <laughs> Hi to Madonna if she's listening. Um... <laughs> Just in case. Over to you, my friend. Have you heard of Lynette Squeaky from A? <laughs> no, I haven't. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's my mum's maiden name. No, no. Um, <laughs> yeah. She was part of the Manson family. I'm sure you've heard of the Manson family. Uh, yes, I have indeed. Uh, but was not involved. So this lass was not involved in the famous murders. She, 
you know, gone on holiday or something. After, <laughs> after Manson was arrested, Squeaky supported him by protesting, singing songs and camping out the front of the courthouse. So she was very much dedicated to Charles Manson, no matter what the cost. Okay. Uh, in 1975, she pulled a loaded pistol out on President Gerald Ford and was convicted to life in prison. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. In 1987, she managed to escape prison. Doesn't say how she did it, though. Uh, managed to escape prison to meet up with Manson after hearing that he had been diagnosed with cancer. She was okay. recaptured and released in 2009 on parole. Since then, she's become a bit of a recluse. So, As you would, but it does sound like a bit of a high-flying criminal uh, lifestyle there for a while. Yeah, well, she, I mean, she was just like, uh, you look at the picture of her, and she was just, you know, one of the hippie girls that just fell in love with Manson and his charisma and all that kind of thing, and then just yeah. dedicated herself to him. So much so that he, like, pulled out a gun on Gerald, and, and years later, in 87, so that's a long time after Yeah, he was still committed to him, yeah. Yeah, and still, like, purposely broke out of prison just to go and try and be near him, you know? So that's dedication. I wonder if my wife and your beloved would do that for us. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put out a, a big no on that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too, me too. Um, but I'm going to try not to start a cult. Yeah. That's what I've got to try not <laughs> yeah. to do. If you, so she's never put in that position that she has to say no. <laughs> if you did start a cult, I would yeah. definitely join. Easy, no problem. Uh, but no problem on, at all. On the condition that I get to be like one of your henchmen, that's that's right. the only clause. I don't want to just be one of the minions. I actually want to have some sort of role, and that role preferably would be as some sort of henchman where I sort of, <laughs> you know, keep keep the line for you and keep you protected at all times. So basically, you keep me controlled, just like this, almost, just like the podcast. Almost, yeah. yeah. I've got a paintball gun and yeah. uh, like a megaphone, and I just shout at people to like fall into line when you're speaking and stuff, or I shoot them in the throat with the paintball. I can imagine gun. you setting up like the whole security detail and really throwing yourself into that role. Oh yeah, yeah. I'd have a, like a long beard and no hair. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah the, the obligatory tats. You've got those. You just need the no hair and long beard. Perfect. I'd wear, I'd wear like a camouflage toga. Um, yeah. Just, yeah, just like a beaded headband. <laughs> so people are like, you know, people come up to me and they're like, oh, you know, Grandmaster, um, your your head of security, he's an impressive guy. Um, so is he ex uh, special forces or anything? I'm like, no, no, no. They go, oh, you know, is he? What, he's been some kind of military advisor before, like high level security. I'm like, no, 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 no. He did uh, he did lawns for many years. Um, it's <laughs> Yeah. And he's just very, very dangerous with a paintball gun. He played Warhammer for a long time. Yeah. As well. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 he used to throw heavy weighted balls at his kids um, as a yeah. as an aiming exercise. But that's enough for me. That's commit, uh, committed enough think, for me to pick him. I think for me, the tra all the training I've needed is watching Navy Seals, the movie. Oh yeah, Charlie I mean that's Sheen. that's all you need. Yeah, um, watching the Predator and probably I'd say Platoon. And uh, Braveheart. That's probably enough training, yeah. I reckon, for me to know what I need to be to be your henchman. Yeah, so yeah. any other guard taken on board, you would have them sit down and watch all of those. Yeah, but then even sort then, of like, I'd still no. be like, nah, but they haven't got the life experience either, you know? 
The life You'd of give like, them some, would you? I've, I've given you 26 years of my life, Warren. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> when you put it like that, I mean, it's pretty impressive sounding. I know what you're <laughs> going to say even before you think to say it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, it's like you're team. the grandmaster and I'm the puppet. No, no, no. No, you'd definitely be the grandmaster. You definitely Whatever. be the grandmaster because you're Whatever. a very wise man, and people just want to look. Like even uh, with, the, with the eldest daughter last week, um, she'll she'll really like. I, I I spew out words of wisdom all the time, and she's like, "Yeah, yeah." You say it, and she really listens. Like, "Oh yeah, I've never thought of that." And I'm like, "I fucking said that last week." <laughs> <laughs> I think what it is is being polite. Like ultimately, it's being polite to you. They're worried that you'll get cross if they don't respect me. So they're sort of like, they're secretly their eyes are rolling. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, oh thanks. Thanks, Uncle Was. Who is this old guy, Dad? Yeah. <laughs> he keeps talking like we're going to listen to his advice. Yeah. He's uh, got tickets on himself like Sean Penn. All right, over to you, big wag. <laughs> okay. All right. So in 1994, uh, Arthur Rudy uh, Martinez uh, was serving a life sentence for uh, numerous robberies and rapes, yep. sadly. Uh, he escaped to Washington <laughs> State Prison and actually eluded capture for nearly 20 years. Wow. He later, now I don't know all the specifics, sadly, but all I thought was interesting was the, the tail end. So he later turned himself in after he was diagnosed with uh, cancer and wanted to claim the free health care in prison. A <laughs> bastard. Yeah. What an absolute bastard. <laughs> yeah. And so he, he passed away two months after his, well, I won't call it a recapture because he handed himself, he handed himself in. in. yeah. So he'd, had, he'd been living the good life for two decades and then had to say an extra fuck you at the end to the government. Wow. So, well, I mean, prick. yeah, I think bastard, but. Well, and obviously he said the rape charge there as well, so he's definitely a bastard. Of course, yeah, yeah. But some people would claim he's a bit of a hero, I'd say. You know, oh, I'm sure he's gotten he's respect for that for that achievement. Yeah, although they do say, you know, rapists and pedophiles don't really do too well in prison, which is good. Exactly. Yeah. So maybe he had a, a pretty nasty time of it too. So yeah. let's just hope that the 20 years was still a bit fucked up for him. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I think, like, personally, I think if you did, because well, after watching this show I told you about, the wife and I were chatting and she said, you know, would you escape prison if you were in prison for life? And I said, well, it's a tricky one. Like, I think I would probably consider it. And she said, well, the thing is uh, – if you had a family, you probably wouldn't because then, you know, if you were, if you're in prison for life and then you escaped, you, the first thing you want to do is go and see your family or be with your family yeah. at some point and then you're going to get caught. So what we decided is if you're if you're a single person with no family yeah. and All you're right. in prison for life, then it's worth a try. <laughs> <laughs> so a very limited set of circumstances can actually help it go yeah. towards that. But then well, I think... I guess... Sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, then I think, though, when you're out... Uh, you know, um, on the run, that'd be like, I mean, I don't sleep well anyway because my mind's too busy. So imagine how fucking busy my mind would be when I'm constantly thinking the police are going to kick in the door and shoot me in the nuts. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's a certain kind of lifestyle in itself, really, for the escapee. Yeah. I'm sure some people like the adrenaline rush of never quite knowing uh, where they can rest their head or when the door is going to get smashed in. Yeah, yeah. And when they do find a level of comfort, they almost get restless. I can imagine, like, certain 
hardcore escapees and, and criminals get that kind of buzz out of the whole experience. I think for I'm me, sure not all of them, but yeah. I think for me, it would be if I was in prison for life, it would actually give me something to focus on too. You know, to go, yes. right, this plan's got to be perfect and I need to get this little resource and I need to get this person on board and, you know, making the plan. I think that would really occupy my mind so much that it would almost give me a reason to get up in the morning and, and you know, stay focused with stuff. So Precisely. Think- and and, and uh, when I do get to the Great Escape, I think that was often, you know, for POWs, yeah. that, of course, is a big part of it. Yeah. Just that reason to go on. To, to work towards a, a common goal and to, I guess, to look after your, your mind while yeah. you're in this incarceration. So right. it's definitely a big part of it, for sure. Yeah. Uh, all right. Um, have you ever thought of using a nectarine as a grenade, Warren? <laughs> Actually, I, I did uh, notice this little one in there. No, I haven't myself, um, um, but what a great idea. <laughs> it, well, the 80s were a crazy time, weren't they? Crazy time. Crazy, <laughs> crazy fashion, crazy. crazy music, crazy dance moves. Um, also, who was crazy was Michael, I think his name is Voyeur or Vayeur, something like that. V-A-U. You say it however you like, mate. We'll take Voyeur. it. V-A-U-J-O-U-R. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, okay. let's call okay. him Mikey. So Mikey, okay. 1986, <laughs> yeah. he was a re- – I don't know why he was in prison. Didn't give me those details. But um, he used nectarines <laughs> nectarines painted like grenades to force his way onto the roof of the prison that he was in, okay. that he was yep. residing in. And then his wife picked him up in a helicopter, which has been, yes. done, it's been done many, many times actually. Um, uh, and then sometime later, yeah, she was caught and he was shot while he was um, uh, during a failed robbery and he survived and was put back in prison. But the, my favourite bit, obviously, is that he painted some nectarines that look like grenades. That's fucking brilliant. <laughs> That's Well, it is because I'm thinking, I'm thinking of the shape of a nectarine. I'm thinking he must have been kind of waving it around quite quickly so it sort of blurred the image yeah, so yeah. people are like, Jesus, whoa, whoa, that's imagine, a grenade. Imagine how stupid the guards would have felt, though, when, like, at the end, he just took a bite out of it and flew off into the sunset. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, huh? Like, we didn't even notice that the fucking nectarine bowl was in yeah. the table. Don't, you know? yeah. We never even thought to look. Imagine, like, being a fly on the wall in the office and they're, and they're like, the yeah. governor or the warden saying, okay, so... <laughs> How many nectarines did he have? You had had like half a dozen. Uh, and uh, what are, what like are that? Jack, Jack and Terence are the two guards that are kind of like getting a bit of a, <laughs> yeah, a hard line a um, look over by the warden. Yeah, and they're both. I reckon one of them is like really wet behind the ears. Terence is wet behind the ears, <laughs> yeah, like Terrence, only been yeah. on the job for a few days. And who is the other guy? Derek. Jack. Oh, Jack. Jack's been there. He's been there too long. You know what but I mean? He talks like he knows. Like, he thinks his shit doesn't stink in terms of what he knows about everything. That's and like right. Terrence has yeah. really been looking up to him, thinking he knows all there is to know about <laughs> yeah. prison guarding. <laughs> and then he was fooled by a greengrocer. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't never seen that trick before. I, I can swear. Uh, all right. <laughs> Over to you. Oh, hang on. Uh, let's go to a short break and we'll come back with, uh, with more. All right, mate. The Carnival Podcast is two Aussie blokes, one called Luke, one called Big Woz. They drive around, they talk shit, they have a bit of a laugh, and sometimes, just sometimes, they talk some serious stuff as well. 
And we're back in. We're talking uh, prison escapes on Fly on the Wall podcast, episode 73. And I believe it's your turn, Warren. Oh, thank you. Okay, so in November 1987, this one's not very exciting. Uh, it just It's very mysterious. I wonder yep. what he's up to now. Peter Thompson who was 19 at the time, escaped Winchester Prison. Uh, there was a two-hour window of opportunity where he broke out of the education wing, so I'm guessing it was a little lower in terms of guarding and the way that was secured. Yeah. He broke out, he went over the grounds and over the prison wall, and he was never seen again. Oh, wow. Okay. Because I don't think there's actually... <clears throat> you don't hear that a lot. Yeah, there weren't there weren't too many that I saw that they'd never been heard of again. I remember um, going to Fremantle Prison over in Perth in Western Australia uh, yeah. with my sister <clears throat> and uh, learning about the prison and some of the inmates and stuff there. And, I, and the guide had told us about one chap that managed to escape and he was gone for 33 years, turn, yep. turned up in Melbourne when he tried to claim the doll. So he tried to claim, you know, uh, money from the government. And yeah. uh, his name popped up on a register and they said, oh, we don't recognise this name. And it sort of was flagged. They contacted right. the authorities and nabbed him. But that was 33 years later. He was an elderly man, you know, so. So he'd obviously stayed off any kind of governmental records up until that point. That's right, yeah. And then but got they, desperate. But they hauled his ass back and he had to finish his sentence. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah. Well. I suppose in some ways he probably could sit there and be quite happy with himself. He's had 33 years of freedom. Yeah. I mean, he'd he'd taken on a new name, but then something to do with his records came up or whatever. But he'd he'd had a family in that time and all that kind of stuff. So, And a lot of people didn't even know his past, you know. So, yeah, interesting. Um, Wow. So, yeah, so your chap disappeared for how long? Oh, he's still gone. No, he's still he's, gone. He, mate, he's, he's at large. So oh, that's wow. 1987. Wow. Imagine being that guy. He might listen to this podcast one day and just be what chuckling to himself over a sherry. <laughs> <laughs> so what's that? 33 years. Oh, that's funny because you yeah. just said this guy was out of prison for 33 years. Oh, yeah. Maybe they'll find him soon. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe you'll try and go get the fucking doll from Winchester Township. Well, there were the three blokes that escaped from – this isn't one of mine, but I just thought we should make an honourable mention of the escape, oh, yeah. escape from Alcatraz. Um, the three blokes that escaped from there. Um, I, I thought I'd read somewhere that um, two had uh, been recovered. Their bodies had been recovered right. in the water and one was never found, assumed dead. But mm. – the article I briefly looked at today said that all three just basically disappeared and yes. then a letter turned up years later, like 13, 14 years later after the escape and sort of taunted the police and had a fingerprint on there, but then the fingerprint was inconclusive to decide whether it was the actual escapee or not. But um, And then there was a photo of these two brothers as well that, that surfaced in, of them in uh, Brazil, I think it was, and but there was no... Oh, yeah. There was no confirmation that it actually was them, and yeah, but I don't know. Now, I think I kind of like the idea that they probably did get away. Well, look, I guess you know, depending on the nature of the crime, and I'm assuming uh, yeah, over true. the years, and particularly in the past, yeah, uh, some some crimes, as far as you know, first impressions, don't seem to match the punishment. Yeah, and you can understand why someone who feels like they've been wrongly imprisoned would feel strongly compelled to find their way out. Yeah, and I would like to think that if anyone's made a successful attempt at escaping and being able to lead somewhat of a, a normal life and they were either not guilty of a crime that really warranted the punishment or they were 
falsely imprisoned. Yeah. You know, and it'd be nice to think there's, you know, a couple of examples over history where they've still been able to live some kind of life after an escape. Yeah, kind of cool. But of course, like, yeah, and as you're alluding to, if you've, if you've done some pretty nasty things, then yeah, you should just write in prison, I suppose. Well, that's it, and be shot on sight as soon as they see you as yeah. a good excuse just to be able to take them out. But um, yeah, actually, I read the same thing briefly about the Alcatraz escape that um, I think, it, I guess it depends on what they wanted to put out there as the story. Yeah. And, and I guess the prison authorities probably would have loved to believe that they died during the escape. Yeah, Because yeah. that's out in San Francisco Bay, isn't it? That's right, yeah. So they were assuming that uh, maybe that, you know, they got lost in, and sunk in the water and all they all drowned. So yeah. that'd be a nice, simple end for them and they don't have to worry about it. But, my, uh, uh, my, nephew yeah. Josh, my nephew Josh went to um, Alcatraz, I think, last year or maybe the year before. Did he really? Awesome. Yeah, he said he loved it. It was really cool. Um, that's a place. I, I've got a morbid fascination with prisons, that's for sure. And I've been to a few, like in Australia, um, as a tourist, not as a... Inmate, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've done the rounds. Yeah, that's why I can't sit down any longer. Yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, no, nah, smuggling of contraband, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, I've been to the old Melbourne jail where uh, Ned yes. Kelly was hanged, and I've been to Fremantle Prison. As I uh, went to, oh, well, I think I told you on the podcast, uh, the family and I stayed at one. Um, oh, where yeah, I can't remember where it was now. It was over the border in South Australia anyway. But, yeah, that's um, right. I thought that was pretty awesome. That was very cool. Yeah, it was obviously decked out much nicer than what it was when it was an actual prison, but it was it was really cool. <laughs> Had all the history there and stuff. But, um, You're and lying you... there in shackles trying to get some sleep. Yeah. No, this is all right. <laughs> this is quite nice. <laughs> have, you, um, have you seen the movie Escape from Alcatraz with Clint Eastwood? Yeah, a long time ago. That's long great. time ago. That's a really great movie. That's actually on Stan or something, I think, so I might give that another go. But that's a, that's a really good movie based on, you know, that escape of the three the three dudes. I'm always interested as to how much artistic license has been used because, I mean, I like uh, authenticity at the same time as it's, it's great to have a, a neat story that sort of unfolds and, and has that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, smooth rolling kind of layout where you, you get to follow the characters and you're introduced to the, their quirky side characters and I guess it's all too good to be true. Yeah. But yeah. Um, it's nice to believe that it's close to the real thing. Yeah, absolutely. I goes for any movie, I suppose, when it's based on a true story. Um, That's all it. right. So is it my turn? Yeah. I think so, mate. Yeah. Well, in 2000... I'll... <laughs> Uh, I like this one. I like the silly ones. I, like, I mean, started giggling already. I was reading some of the hardcore ones, and then I, I do have a hardcore one coming up. But um, this one, yeah, I like the Nectarines one. This one was just silly and just made me laugh. And, and again, you just wish you were a fly on the wall when the when the guards were being questioned with what happened. <laughs> uh, I've got a real funny the, the visuals of all of the guards getting any kind of questioning. It's all yeah. funny. Yeah, yeah. No, got their no, heads I in their chest and. And they're just like, no, sir, yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> they're just like kinder kids getting told off for, you know, spilling some paint on the floor. Yeah, and if they, like, smirk or anything, they're, like, the warden will lose it. You think this is <laughs> funny? You think this shit is funny? They go, well, it's nectarines, sir. It's nectarines. <laughs> <laughs> and he did paint them pretty well. I mean, you've got to admit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, this one's uh, uh, on the same sort of line. So, in 2017, okay. 12 inmates escaped jail in Alabama by by smearing peanut butter over a sign above a door. The sign had said, exit. 
and, <laughs> and, right. and led out to the exterior of the jail. They asked the guard, to, so they smeared the peanut butter over the sign, disguising right. the sign. They asked the guard to open the door, which which he did. <laughs> <laughs> which he did, thinking it was a cell door. And they and then they left, and then they used their blankets to climb over a razor wire fence and just took off. But 12 hours later, 11 of them were recaptured, and then a few days after that, the 12th man was caught. But fucking, the they fuck? smeared peanut butter over the sign that said exit, and the guard You'd just... you think the guard would know the prison well enough well, yeah, that was that was my first thought. But then I thought, well, maybe he was a newbie. Maybe he was a rookie. Maybe he was just his first or second day on the job, and he didn't know yeah. the layout of the prison, and oh. he just thought it was yeah, their and that's cell. Why they chose maybe that's why they chose that guard. I suppose. Yeah, so that he literally just opened the door for them and they left. <laughs> so it's probably, I guess, when you think about it, it's probably good they they used peanut butter and it was a peanut buttered door as opposed to a jammed door. <laughs> yeah, good one, Warren. Good yeah, one. That's otherwise, great, it just wouldn't work. Yeah, that's right. Good one, mate. Good one. Thanks, um, mate. Thanks, but yeah, mate. I yeah, uh, I like that one. I like it because it's just so silly. That's ridiculous. Yeah, but Actually, I mean, I, I'm open just trying the door to, for them. <laughs> I'm trying to imagine what the sign would look like, smeared with peanut butter, yeah, and again to the to the point where. Yeah, it looked like I don't know as part of the scenery. Yeah, Did and it again, have like brown uh, render or something on the wall. Yeah. <laughs> it just became part of it. And then the yeah, and then again the him being questioned. So, it's, so you didn't see <laughs> the peanut butter. I, I like peanut butter, but I prefer jam. So I didn't know the consistency or texture or color of peanut butter. You see, so I I just blindly opened the door for them. The goddamn. Horse. Always stank of peanut butter, you <laughs> dim-witted shit. <laughs> yeah. If the if the kitchen didn't give the inmates peanut butter, we wouldn't be in this predicament now, would we? <laughs> I'm trying to work their way through why uh, it was peanut butter and he couldn't identify it. Yeah. Ah, oh. oh, good one. Uh, over to you, Big Woods. That yeah. is that is pretty funny, mate. Yeah. That's a pretty good one. Yeah. All right, now the actual this is this is sort of the the big one. So. It's The Great Escape, which was from the uh, POW camp of Stalag Stalag Luft 3, which was in fact a Luftwaffe-run POW (laughs) camp, so that's the German Air Force. Um, Interestingly enough, I mean, there were tons of escape attempts, I think, at any POW camp over the years during World War II. The first one that happened at this particular camp was in October 1943, and it was the Wooden Horse. Ah, that's the one I've got. Yeah, that's the one I was going to Okay, well, you. I'll leave that one, all right? Oh, I'll you sure? You do the- oh, you're going to do yeah, the big I one, are you? I was only going to briefly mention it, so I will leave that. I'll just oh, okay, leave that okay. There. Well, we'll talk about We'll discuss it together. Yep, no problem at all, mate. That's all good. Um, so I just felt it was unfair to leave it out. So now that you've got it, it's all good. Yeah, cool. So it's 160 uh, kilometres southeast of Berlin, and it was built in an area where the sandy soil made it very hard to tunnel yep. beneath the ground. Uh, but in March 1944, uh, Squadron Leader Roger Bushel, who was in charge of the <laughs> escape committee. He was in charge of the T. The escape committee. <laughs> I love that there's a committee uh, who was also known as Big X, which, you know, is quite a fun, close to my heart. Um, came up with the idea to make three separate tunnels 
in this uh, larger scale attempt to escape. One called Tom, one called Dick, and one called Harry. Yep, excellent. Now, if I can find the light, here we go. Now, I just got to read. I thought this might help with the setting the tone. Uh, here we go. So this was a, this is a quote from our friend Roger Bushel, squadron leader Roger Bushel. Everyone here in this room is living on borrowed time. By rights, we should all be dead. The only reason that God allowed us this extra ration of life is so we can make life hell for the Hun. In North Compound, we are concentrating our efforts on completing and escaping through one master tunnel. No private enterprise tunnels allowed. Three bloody deep, bloody long tunnels will be dug. <laughs> Tom, Dick, and Harry. One will succeed. <laughs> that's cool, yep. So that's uh, that was the plan, and that's a direct quote. <laughs> so so uh, Tom was actually built next to a, well, started to be dug next to a stove in hut number 123 and was actually discovered and dynamited uh, by the Germans. Okay. Dick uh, was in a washroom and was actually used, it was decided that they weren't going to use that one in the end and they ended up using it for surplus kind of equipment, storage, uh, probably dirt from the other tunnels, etc. And then, of course, good old Harry was the one that became the main escape tunnel and it went out and then 102 metres Underground, went uh, underneath part of the barracks and offices and I think the sick bay and the interrogation cells and uh, the actual barrier fence to the very edge of the woods. Uh, and that was the one where the main escape was going to be made. So they dug it and, you know, anyone who's seen the movie will know this anyway, but they used so many ways to remove the dirt yeah. and then try to discreetly scatter it in the grounds. Very clever, uh, winter. very clever. Yeah, well, it was, it was extremely clever. Um, and winter made it tricky with the snow cover because then you couldn't disturb uh, the ground. You couldn't put fresh dirt down. Oh, so yeah. they actually came up with, I guess, using this other tunnel and there was a room in it, I think, a new building that they could remove a seat and a board and put it underneath. Oh, okay. But, in the movie, wasn't it under a stove or something? They did that as well. So oh, I think okay. that could have been the other tunnel. Yeah. Um, so there was, you know, there was a bunch of different options. Uh, so I think they downgraded the amount of star, uh, the people that were going to be able to escape. They planned it for 200. There was going to be 100 serial offenders. So they were the people that were, they had a history of escaping. Yep. Um, so they could be, I guess, trusted to, to go through with. Uh, they spoke German very well oh, yep. or, you know, fairly capably, or they'd also put in the most work into the actual tunnels. <laughs> and then a hundred others were called hard asses who had little or no German and they were given only the most basic papers or equipment. So they were able to bribe, beg, borrow, steal, uh, adapt uh, different passes, uh, papers to get, you know, past checkpoints, civilian clothes, peasant clothes, different tools, weapons, etc. Um, over the time frame that they were planning. So these guys, the hard asses, were clearly, it's almost like they just got up in their PJs, uh, <laughs> yeah. went out through the tunnel and just got the hell out of there. Yeah. Um, so in the end, the uh, only 70, well, not only, 76 escaped. Yep. Uh, for a, a number of reasons why it was a lot slower and harder than 
that they were hoping, and 73 of those were recaptured. Wow, wow. So three people in that escape actually stayed escaped. Uh, Unfortunately, 50 were executed for their efforts. But two Norwegians and one Dutch pilot successfully escaped and made it back to, you know, their respective home shores yeah, yeah. and or Britain and safe zone. So that's the good part. But the the interesting thing that I wanted to read out here, and I guess it just kind of identifies the scale of the operation, but also the scale of stupidity yeah. <laughs> on the Germans' part. How so dare you speak a- of the Germans this day? <laughs> Well, I mean, this is like a small – I didn't write everything down, but I just wanted to run through some of the inventory that they were able to salvage from stuff. And I just wondered how some of these barracks would look missing some of this stuff and that the Germans (laughs) never picked up on it. Okay, so we have 4,000 bed boards. Wow. 635 mattresses. <laughs> 192 bed covers. But I, I guess they would have taken the mattress but then made something else to look like Tried a mattress. Tried to utilise it. It's, yeah. just, it's incredible it's that ingenious. it was so yeah, yeah, it's brilliant. detailed. Yeah, I guess that's what <laughs> impresses me. But uh, what have we got? 52 20-man tables. Wow. 52! What the fuck? <laughs> They're eating off their laps. They're like, no, we prefer to do it this way. And and the Germans didn't question it. 10 single tables, 76 benches, 246 water cans, 30 shovels, 3,424 towels. Fucking hell. 1,400 1, clean cans, which is, I think, some sort of branded uh, tin that was very, very useful for creating uh, scoops, oh, okay. buckets, yep, and yep. also ventilation pipes. Yep. I just think it's amazing, the ingenuity that they used. Yeah, that, um, it is brilliant, isn't it? Yeah, amazing. Uh, 1,219 knives, 300 metres of electrical wire, and 69 lamps. Wow. It's just amazing that the so really, scale really, of the, the only stuff. thing, the only thing they didn't sort of steal and use were the actual German personnel. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? I reckon they probably bribed a fair few of them. Yeah, possibly. Yeah. Yeah, because it just seems like the amount of things that they were allowed to do. Yeah. It's just astounding. But I also, I guess, the thing about the um, the military camps is that there was actually a very, very orderly way. That they organised these. Well, states. I was going like, to say that, like, and also these aren't professionally trained and and maintained prisons. You know, they're they're camps essentially. So yeah, that's right. I, I, I mean, POW camps. I'm not. I don't want to take anything away from the people that you know, did that, but it would be easier than escaping from Alcatraz. I'd say. You reckon? Well, I mean, fifty of them were shot when they yeah, were caught. Yeah. So there's the risk of death. Yeah, of course, but I don't know. Yeah. Like, I, I, I think uh, practically escaping from Alcatraz would be a whole lot harder because you got to you're in a prison cell with concrete walls and bars, and then you've yeah. got a, and then you've got an ocean to do to attend to uh, to contend with. You know, I suppose so. Look, I think um, probably the the main difference is, uh, I think, but this particular camp too sounds like there was a, an understanding almost with the the guards and. You know, people would they were getting sent stuff from home, 
you know, they would be given like extra packs from the Red Cross and different, uh, yeah. you know, charity organizations. They had active, like there was a pool there, I think, that they could use sometimes. Like, I think, like, as far as the way they treated uh, other fighting men, I think, you know, compared to a concentration camp or yeah, yeah. Um, something where it was had much more kind of dark purposes, I'm sure it was a very, very different scenario but i mean at the same time i'm sure there was still a machine gun nest um up at every perimeter tower and they would have opened up on anyone they saw running across the, and wasn't the field it, so wasn't it a part of a, wasn't it a part of a pow's duty almost to to escape i think so yeah i think yeah. everyone played a role yeah. and then yeah you don't go off on your own yeah. You literally, you, you're a part of the main plan and it's approved by the committee. The and, committee, yeah. You know, like they all work together. I can imagine um, the British people particularly loving organising it. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they love to sit down with a cup of tea and... Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We get the latest tips, well, yeah, I think uh, you, uh, I think you missed my joke before when you said uh, Major Bushel because I said did, he was either committee of tea because of Bushel's tea one. I did miss the Bushel tea Fuck reference, you, man. mate. Fuck you. I thought it was just the English. Uh, what am I here for? Reference. What am I here for if not for the comedic genius that I am, Warren? That's true, mate. Well, you're here to replace <laughs> me as a father. That's, Fuck you, well, that's, mate. Fuck you. Yes. <laughs> that's the way I see it. But uh, other than that, I have a few stupid attempts uh, for prison escapes. But over to you, my friend. Uh, well, while we're on topic, I suppose we can talk about yeah the wooden horse, the uh, the other escape from Starlag Luft Three, um, called the wooden horse because it was basically a wooden horse, a, a vaulting horse that they built, like the you know the gymnasts used to jump on and, and nacerate themselves on. Um, <laughs> they built that and would carry. I think that was the main distraction for the yeah, guards. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> carry out the um, carry out people hidden inside the horse. So obviously, the wooden horse. We're talking about the wooden horse of Troy. That's the reference. Um, yes. I can't be bothered. Explaining Explain it. So Google it. Wooden horse of Troy. Um, you fucking inbreds. No. <laughs> <laughs> so respectful of the audience, mate. It's yeah. beautiful. Um, yeah. But yeah, so they built this vaulting horse. They would hide um, people under it, hide chaps under it, go and plant it down wherever they wanted to dig the tunnel, and away they'd go. They'd be hidden inside and would just dig down and then across and... Three chaps made it out, which was which was brilliant. One hundred and fourteen days after the digging commenced, which is which just goes to show how painstaking it, it is. Yeah, to dig out, like you said before, the uh, the type of soil that it was very sandy, um, uh, uh, very silty, so it would just cave in constantly. So they had to come up with. Um, uh, weird and wonderful ways of sort of propping it up with bits of timber and obviously mattresses maybe like you mentioned before. Well, what interests me is that this these three, uh, I'm wondering if they put that past the escape committee. Well, they, it sounds they, like they it was three guys operating like. through the whole thing. No, I did see some, I only did some basic research, but I did see something about it. And I think there were more people involved, um, right. but they were the three that committed to it and went, yep, we're going to do this sort of thing. And uh, right. yeah, and they were, all three were successful. They successfully escaped and evaded. It's pretty impressive, isn't it? Oh, very impressive. Yeah, I think I think I think uh, like we've been talking about all the way through. What it says to me is when you've got time and yeah. you've got uh, the the smarts to sort of think outside the square and go, okay, well, how are we going to do this? Then what amazing things we can do as as human beings, you know, like to to. To think of digging a tunnel and working it all out and how you're going to get through it and how you're going to build it and how you're going to 
support yep. its framework to and, and, and how to get rid of the soil and all that kind of stuff. It's just, it is genius. It really is genius. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So you got a couple more. We might go to a brief break and come. We'll go to a uh, farmer pickle, I reckon. All right, mate. That sounds like a great idea. A little we'll tickle slot from him pickle. in. It's just a little tickle from Farmer Pickle. <laughs> Then I notice me mirrors come away from the wall like a right state it was in. I can't do that, I says to myself, and I sets about trying to right the situation. A crooked mirror means a crooked day, dear old Mar Pickle used to say. <laughs> We are back in. Uh, you can find us on Instagram, fly on the wall podcast with an underscore between each of those words. You can find you can email us the fly on the wall podcast one one at gmail.com and over on the Twitter sphere, Warren. Yes, on Twitter you can find us at fly on the wall P O one. Alright, we've got a couple Please more do. We've got a couple more uh, prison escapes and then uh, we'll get into some fly on the wall podcast investigates and we've got some of our asylum saga lined up too haven't we big waz we have indeed my friend indeed lots of excitement to come okay so just a couple of uh couple of silly uh, just silly people uh involved with escapes it didn't go off that well so 2009 in new zealand a couple of people called uh regan retty and tirawani white yeah, bro. Yeah, yeah, bro. Uh, they were cuffed together, uh, and they made a run for it. And they made a run for it, but they were cuffed together at the Ross Day. Oh, I see. Um, and what happened was they were running away from the police and the, and the cops, Ebru. And they smashed, caught themselves on a fucking lamppost, do you believe it? Oh, shit. And they fucking smashed their heads together and got knocked out. Oh, shit, bro. They, f- they fell down on the ground and they got recaptured. They could have been good to give her a girl. <laughs> yeah, Asus. <laughs> <laughs> so they were caught by the cops, put by back the, in prison. By the kips. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, were, they were, yeah, so they, they obviously weren't looking where they were running. They collected themselves on a fucking lamppost like a couple of, oh, you know, Abbott and Costello people or something. Yeah. And uh, it was slapstick to the highest order. So Fucking that would have been pretty funny for everyone else. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> would have been pretty choice. Yeah, but <laughs> choice, Barry. That was funny, eh? Um, so the next one. Now let me just see here. So we've got Michael J. Norwood, um, who was at the Snake Snake River Correctional in uh, 2010. He that's a that's look, a, was, that sounds like a movie, doesn't it? Snake River Correctional. Sna- Snake River Correctional Center. Yeah, that's down cool. Down the goddamn middle of nowhere, we got Michael J. Norwood. Um, <laughs> So he was a bit of a MacGyver of, of sorts. He yeah. liked to he he studied it. He made different tools and weapons and like interesting little devices to help him. And he was all set for something you know amazing, like one for the books. Yep. So in the end, sadly, even though he had that collection of things, he had no plan oh. <laughs> at all. Right. So what he did. Uh, he, he put a dummy of himself in his cell, 
in the room, yep, um, yep. which was earlier in the day, and then they were taken out for their you know hour or two of outdoor exercise. And he literally, the the, the depth of his plan was, I'm going to stay outside and hope they don't notice me, um, but then see they'll be checking and then they'll see my body there in the bed. Um, and I'll be outside still, so you know they won't notice. Right. And I can get away. Um, so I, I'm, as far as I can tell, that actually worked. But it lasted thirty minutes, uh, and he was caught. I don't think he ever made it outside uh, the walls. Okay. <laughs> how fucking ner- um, how fucking nerve wracking though? Like you know to to like even do any kind of escape, I reckon. Like, but to build. You've got to oh, you build yeah. a mannequin or something, some kind of model, put it in your bed, and then you go through a hole in the wall and try to escape that way. But imagine, like, just thinking, fuck, all it would take is a guard to come knocking or a guard to have a look, shine a torch and go, hey, you don't look like, look right, man. <laughs> and then come in and then the game's up and then and then the alarm's going off. Hell, like, it does take massive balls to try and escape from a prison, you know? What was interesting, and I just caught a glimpse of it, I didn't read into it too much, is that... Um, and I, I don't know. I think it's it's in maybe you know maybe the US, maybe here, uh, maybe Great Britain, some of the European countries, etc. But I think the idea is they say it's in human nature to escape to want to get out because yeah. it's not you know it's natural to be kept incarcerated yep. you know for for your natural life. So you can be essentially forgiven. Like there's no actual extra charge. Oh really? Uh, Put on your sentence. Well, there's something I noticed. I probably get a chance to look into it in more depth. But I was interested in the fact that, yeah, I mean, I, it's probably more so if you commit a crime during it. Yeah, yeah. So if you steal a car and you shoot a guard and then you assault somebody on the escape, they're the things they'll charge but you. But surely there's a. Surely that's a crime to escape, trying to escape your conviction, though, or your sentence, I, I suppose. I think the thing is maybe they don't call it. They don't call it that. Okay. So, like I'm saying, I think they give it all these other charges around it, yeah. but they don't actually charge you with escape. <laughs> yeah, we're going to give you an extra four years for you know desecrating the wall in the prison cell. And yeah. uh... <laughs> no, I think I literally think, as funny as that sounds, yeah. that's exactly right. So with this guy. They charged him $132 for library books he'd destroyed, <laughs> making some of the items for his escape. <laughs> so imagine how fucking downtrodden Mr. Michael J. Norwood yeah, would yeah. felt. Yeah, you get an extra year for paper mache. <laughs> yeah, and we're taking we're taking your spanners that you made, your, your, your um, what do you call the shivs? We're taking the yeah. shivs that you've made, yeah. the series of 30 interesting shivs you made, yeah. they're gone, mate. Oh, you don't man. get them, Michael. Oh, man. Yeah, we're taking the Encyclopedia Britannica of Prison Escapes. You're not having that whole series can of books, I at least keep my, it. Can I at least keep my favourite shiv? We're taking that. We're putting that up in the warden <laughs> office. Delilah. Delilah. <laughs> you get to sit there and think about what you've done. Right, and then the final one. Uh, now, I haven't got his name here, but it was at the Hamilton County Jail in the U.S., Somewhere, uh, and it was a case of two prisoners. Let's call him. Uh, uh, let's call him Archibald Bassingthwaite. Okay, Bassingthwaite. <laughs> I think I'll let you say that because um, I'm going to fuck that up like I do Massachusetts. Uh, that was wrong. So yeah. Archie, 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 <laughs> yep. Archie was uh, he was keen to go, right? Um, there was Archie, and let's say there was another guy, Tom. 
right? And they made a little deal. So Tom was up for like, uh, I think he paid a bond or something, and he was able to do it, but he wasn't fussed. Right. So he was he had a plan worked out with Archie that Archie was going to uh, swap identities with him and then essentially walk free on Tom's, you know, paid agreement and his oh, bond. Okay. Yep. Yeah, so, sim- you know, I guess simple enough plan, he'd just rock up and assume that identity. Now, one problem, uh, I don't think he either didn't look closely at the details um, or for whatever reason he didn't see Tom much because Tom was a black man. Oh, right. Archie was a white man. (laughs) Uh, And Archie rocked up saying he was Tom, and I'm guessing, unlike the guy who didn't notice that the peanut butter sign didn't let them outside, these guards were like, you motherfucker, you don't even know what Tom is a black man. (laughs) You're a fucking white man. You're a fucking idiot. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it's cold. He pretty much takes the cake for a, a pretty ridiculous uh, <laughs> yeah. attempt at escape. They but, must have just looked at him and shook their heads. But bless him for trying. Tried. Bless him for trying, you know. Yeah, maybe you got a card at Christmas saying, good on <laughs> you, buddy. Yeah. A for effort. <laughs> D for fucking execution. <laughs> yeah, yeah like, don't make jokes about execution in prison, <laughs> goddammit. I reckon they do like a, um, you know, every year they have a little celebration where they mock him. Yeah. <laughs> All day. So, <laughs> it's like every reference, even when they come in in the morning, they're pretending to be like somebody else in the prison. Um, yes. They've all assumed the identity of the person next to them, like even if, you know, whether they're male or female yeah. or a different race. And they all do, they all do it so poorly. It's just, just to mock it him. Yeah. A bit yeah. of fun for the guards, you know, a bit of fun for the prison staff. But that's it, mate. I'm done. Yeah, no worries. That's I, I really enjoyed the uh, the prison talk, actually. Yeah, it was fun, mate. We may have, to, may have to revisit it again down the track or just talk. You know maybe... what I think we should do? Yeah. A second attempt. <laughs> yeah, good one. <laughs> or maybe even we could just talk about prisons in general but also include more prison escapes. Yeah, I think there's there's so many. And like I was just telling you before, off air, uh, I wouldn't mind going into some other areas of the world where there's, you know, been some maybe more extreme examples or, I don't know, some that are a little bit off the, I guess, what we'd think of as a prison escape, like something a little bit different. Yeah. Yeah, it would be cool. We can do whatever the fuck we want because it's our fucking podcast, (laughs) Warren. That's right, man, especially when you swear like that. I get really pumped up. mate. Uh, all right, we're going to go into Fly on the Wall podcast investigates. Now, this yeah. is where we've been investigating and doing some research into, uh, well, the Warburton Hospital that we explored um, back in episode 31 as an urban exploration. But go and listen to that episode if you haven't listened to it already. Um, and it's link to Sunbury Asylum. And the main topic of those two things is... Ernst Vollmer, a um, a doctor and um, someone who becomes quite a infamous character who the world doesn't seem to know about. There isn't a hell of a lot on this guy. Well, when I first started scratching, there wasn't a hell of a lot. But then bit by bit, we've started to piece together an interesting puzzle. But there's no one website that sort of puts it all together. So hopefully, uh, we're doing that for everyone else. 
Now, I've got to apologize, not last week's episode, but the one before uh, of Flying the Wall Podcasts. I failed to put in there a diary entry from Dr. O'Brien, who worked at Sunbury Asylum with Ernst Vollmer back in the early 1880s. Um, so I've put it there now. So if you want to go listen to episode 71, it's there now. Um, but I will include it in this um, uh, episode of Fly on the Wall Podcast Investigates, as well as diary entry number two. So I'll play those now. Entry one and entry two by Dr. O'Brien, who worked with Dr. Ernst Vollmer at the Sunbury Asylum in 1880. The Fly on the Wall Podcast Investigates. Wednesday, February 4th, 1880. I'm getting on in years, yet I have not laid notches upon life's milestones as I should have at this junction. If I were to use my father's experience as a meter, at my age he had already passed away from consumption. My work and my dear friend Ernst keep me from gloomier thoughts each day, and I am grateful for that. Despite the initial apprehension, Ernst and I committed Daniel Dooley to the isolation cage today. We had hoped his screaming would cease before our shift ended, but sadly, they did not. Sunday, the 14th of August, 1880. I was up early as usual, sleep is no longer restful, and went out for a walk. There is something new always to be heard and seen in my garden that is. The trees are ready to fruit and Hazel's roses are set to bloom. Despite the morning being beautiful, I was burdened still by Ernst's honesty last night after supper when he and I reclined for, with brandy. He had asked me to support his claim of innocence to the medical board, but in the same instance, he had admitted his guilt. I knew, as a doctor, something was amiss with my dear friend. But what he has revealed to me is so corrupt and, dare I say, depraved that I cannot bring myself to repeat it with ink and paper. It's the Fly on the Wall motherfucking podcast. <laughs> yes, we are. Okay, so from one real life uh, asylum type shit shenanigans going on to uh, to our over to our asylum saga, Warren. Go. Indeed, indeed. So tonight, my good friends, we've done uh, a little bit of uh, an extended narration. We'll call it. Uh, it's it's the continuing of Luke and my personal experience in the asylum it's been a, a bit on hold since we were last together in person because that's how it was playing out previously you know we'd sort of just talk through the story um so that was becoming a little bit hard to do in this medium so we've had the doctor and uh some of those pre-done segments so this is a little bit different this is uh me narrating our continued story from there and hopefully that will help bring everything together for a nice tidy conclusion so without further ado the asylum one two three four somebody knock you 
some spitting up after feedings is to be expected. Even a little vomiting occasionally. the graduation speakers say every spring, our town's pretty average. Two of these boys and girls will spend some part of their lives in a mental institution. My job is to try to keep the people around here healthy. After leaving the disturbing human-faced carcass of the cyborg in the gantry area, Luke and Woz take a travelator walkway which propels them along for what seems like many hundreds of metres before pitching downward. Once more they descend into the earth in this labyrinth of madness. The very air becomes stale and heavy, seething with unseen menace. The dull clunk and whir of the travelator is the only thing to pierce the utter blackness of the deep. With a mechanical crunch and a sharp hiss of releasing gases and pistons, the moving walkway comes to a stop at an arched entrance of port cement. The men disembark and walk into a long narrow area which has the appearance of an old sub pen. A huge steel door drops with a sudden violence and cuts them off from the gantry. Peering over the edge of the surrounding platform and into the waters beneath them, Woz can see that the liquid is of dark red, undulating and moving on the surface with a syrupy consistency, as if entirely made up of blood. From the shadows across the way, they hear slurping and crunching sounds, accompanied by a long, drawn-out wail, like that of a child. The surface of the blood pool stirs as if a creature or creatures dwell below the surface. Luke grasps Woz's shoulder, and senses the movement. Woz holds the shovel up ready to strike. Mere metres from where they stand, a pasty white albino creature shambles out of the darkness, staring at them with jet black eyes set deep into its elongated head. Its jaws open slowly and with a crack, as though partially dislocated from the skull, its mouth drops open much lower than seems physically possible. And it wails again, though much louder. This time it is so close to the men that the resonance of the cry echoes around the giant pool chamber and pummels their senses. Its arms hang to the floor and its hands with long crab-like fingers help it shamble toward them, like some demented demon of the ancient underworld. Oh God, Was exclaims in terror. He swings the shovel as hard as he can, hoping to stun the fearsome creature, but it ducks and strikes the shovel away. 
looking around in desperation, seeing no clear path around the creature and no way back out, he grabs his friend and says, Luke, we are leaving! Jump and swim with me and whatever you do, hold on! The pale creature wails with more immediacy and reaches out to try and grab onto Luke's arm. Luke feels the pressure of the grab and yanks his arm as hard as he can. With a crack, it dislocates at the elbow and Luke roars in agony, but succeeds in freeing it from the creature's grasp. They leap into the bloody red waters and start awkwardly swimming across, with Woz aiming for the far end of the pool. Luke uses his wounded arm to hook around Woz's shoulder and paddles with the other. It is slow, painful and tiring work, and all the while the pale thing clambers along the sides, leaning and reaching out into the waters to catch the men, wailing and almost imploring them to return to its grasp. Floundering in the thick, murky maroon waters, a huge tentacle emerges in a sudden spray, an explosion of water and blood. It coils around the men and drags them down into the depths, flailing them around violently. After what seems like an eternity, their lungs burning for air and consciousness slipping, the grip of the tentacle slackens and the men surface once more. Woz wipes his eyes free of gelatinous blood chunks and weakly searches the water for his friend. Luke's body is face down and limp, motionless in the water. As Woz grabs him by the back of the collar and drags his face above the surface, he hears the frothy rattling of oxygen filling Luke's lungs and a wave of relief washes over him, despite their predicament. Slowly the creature's head emerges. At first glance it seems like some enormous octopus, but as the head raises further above the surface it becomes clear that this is something far worse, more twisted, from somewhere other than the earthly realm. The eyes seem to pierce the soul, a look of pure malevolence and evil. It wanted to toy with them. Their bodies too tired to remain afloat or even seek the relative safety of the pool edge. Death must soon come for them. A deep rumbling comes from below and the level of the pool starts to drop sickeningly fast in a swirling vortex of pressure. The tentacled beast launches itself in a burst of speed toward the men and from its head drops the albino creature. After launching itself from the edge of the pool armed with a huge staff, a cracking electrical charge sparking at the tip. It lands with a crunch on the tentacled monster's skull and roars as it thrusts the electric javelin straight into the center of its eyes. It's trying to protect us. The realization dawns on the men. They drop with gut swooping speed to a huge drain in the floor and the tentacled monster smashes into the ground with a crack and a wet crunch. It roars and squeals with an ear-splitting shriek and the albino starts working its long misshapen hands into the creature's eyes. The albino looks at the men and moves its head as if gesturing to the drain hole. With an uncertain nod of thanks, the men crawl, stumble and then drop through the drain hole into a large mesh cube as the tentacles thrash, strike and whip around their heads. The cube is suspended over a giant, open, stinking pit. Piles and piles of rotting flesh, bones, waste, chemical drums and all manner of disused garbage fill its depths. At the moment his head slips from the pool floor into the cage, Woz catches a fleeting glimpse of the albino being torn apart 
in a burst of blood and pain-filled screams by the tentacled creature's death throes, its head pierced with a spear and the eyes hanging from its head by nerve tendrils. Woz drops into the cage and sees an access door to one side. He takes Luke by the arm and they crawl out the door and along a small narrow metal channel secured to the ceiling of the pit. A circular door with a round rusted handle in the center is at the end and with great effort it opens. Crawling weakly from the channel the men find themselves in a cavernous and deafeningly loud room full of hundreds of gigantic cylindrical pillars lined up in neat rows for as far as they can see. Luke suddenly grasps Warren's wrist. This way, he says with conviction. At each cylinder, a small control podium sits with a screen and a series of small buttons, sliders and a port with a large spike looking connection jutting from it. A man suddenly possessed, Luke's strength returns and he grasps Woz's head in a sudden headlock, forcing his head onto the port on the podium until a catch sound locks it in place. What the fuck, man? I'm sorry, brother. And Luke pushes his own head down onto the adjacent port. Woz looks across at his friend, trying to free his head back off the port. Luke begins to press his thumb against his own mechanical eye forcing it back into his own skull. A crunch as Luke's eye socket gives way and then blinding oblivion. Okay, so we've basically, just for you listeners at home, we've scrapped um, news of the weird. We've scrapped questions. But Come on, mate. That's that's a bit of a, a cold and harsh way of putting it, isn't it? It's pretty harsh. It's like I've just we've, cut cut the legs off my child. Did they upset you? Did they do something to offend you? No, like, no, no. Happened? I'm just, uh, I'm very much a person who out with the old, in with the new. <laughs> maybe, maybe we could say we've set them free. Oh, yeah, set them free like pigs <laughs> in a barn. <laughs> Actually, just quickly, and I just want to use this as the um, the way to relate it. This is the uh, the analogy. Um, <clears throat> I caught a little bit of a documentary the other day, uh, hosted by Bear Grylls, called Hostile Planet. And there was this beautiful species, a, a family of ducks, uh, living up on this pinnacle of rock. A in family Greenland. of what? Ducks? Did you say? Ducks, yeah, ducks. like a, a okay. yeah, like a duck family living in uh, in Greenland, but they're up on this really tall pinnacle of rock to keep clear of predators, uh, not the alien. And uh, what they would do is they still need to go down to the lowlands to actually get the food. Right. So they had these young fluffy ducklings, uh, and then they really just jump. And oh. you you watch the parents kind of fly down, and yeah, they're trying to kind of look out for their youngling, but they're not taking them in their beak and lifting them down. Yeah, they're letting these tiny flightless birds, because they're too young to fly, drop down, and they kind of is relying on their very small weight and their tiny little juvenile wings oh. uh, to catch the wind. And it was the most fucking horrific sight. <laughs> Because 
One died by hitting the rocks oh, too fucking shit. hard. Right, yep. One was picked up by some, you know, some sort of raven or black <laughs> crow. And then one fucking smashed into the rock at the end, but it seemed to be okay. Like it sort of hopped along after its parents after that and then went to get food. So out of the three kids, one was left. Wow. Wow. And this is what you've done with uh, News of the Weird. Did you, and say, uh, did you say it was Bear Grylls? Yes. I guarantee in the episode somewhere he drank his own urine. <laughs> well, and it was totally off screen too. Yeah. They just make sure it happened. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, you're on, Bear. Bear, you're on. He's like, well, you got to understand that, you know, this is the way the world is. And excuse me. Yeah. Here in Greenland, we find it really hard to live. That's why I like to drink my own urine as often as possible. Yeah, Bear, we've got plenty of water there, mate. You don't need to drink your own urine. But you Have you it. ever tried the grill urine? No. Yeah. Comes in its own snake skin, apparently. Yeah. Oh, man, I remember that one. Yeah. yeah, so that's my analogy. You've You've let news of the weird and questions go. Um, like Arctic ducks on a cliff face. Like Arctic ducks plummeting <laughs> to the ground off a pinnacle of rock. Well, yeah, they just had to go. No, I really enjoyed <laughs> them, but I don't know. I just, I just think in the in the effort of making keeping this thing fresh, then yes. um, yeah, changing up and uh, yeah. Anyway, so we've got a new. What segment. are we doing, mate? What are we doing? Tell me. We've got a new segment coming as of next week, episode seventy four, and it's called "What Would You Do If." Now, I've been playing this game um, by myself and also <laughs> with anyone with ears since yes. I was since I've been able to talk. So the the, the I famous- feel sorry for your dogs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> what would you do if I fucked you, dogs? No, so um, the famous one that my mum and dad always remind me of is when I was yeah. like five, I would say, and it would often be the same question. It would be like, I must have watched like The Dirty Dozen or some war movie or something, and I'd say, Dad, what would you do if German paratroopers came out of the sky and landed in the garden? <laughs> <laughs> so it's things like that, basically. It's, it's I'll ask Warren, what would you do if da-da-da? And then Warren would ask, what would you do, Luke, if blah-blah-blah? So, and I can think of many over the years that we have actually discussed at length. Yeah, and it can be everything and anything. And if you guys listening have got any suggestions, feel free to DM us on our Instagram or comment or email us, the fly on the wall podcast 11 at Gmail. Let us know um, what would you do if, and we'll answer. Sounds exciting, mate. I'm Very exciting. To change Warren. of direction. Very exciting. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you're pumped. I can tell. But yeah, I've enjoyed. Uh, I've enjoyed episode seventy three. Enjoyed the prison talk. As I mentioned before, I've got a, a morbid fascination. A fascination with prison culture. I think it's a, a really fascinating thing to put a whole bunch of criminals in the one place and expect them to be, you know, great citizens when they come out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's probably the, the most succinct way of putting it. Yeah, yeah I what think... to expect at the end. I think it can happen, of course. You know, I think there's been many cases where people come out and change their life because they've seen how shit things can be when you're being punished and you've had your t- freedom taken away. But I yes. also do think there's a there's a huge percentage of people that just get worse. And I don't know what the fix is. Uh, you know, we've got to do something. But, um, yeah, we won't get into that too much because <laughs> I'll go on a bit of a rant. But it was a great episode. Thoroughly enjoyed it. What about you? I think Ryan? probably let them go off a very tall pinnacle of rock. And whoever... <laughs> yeah. Can glide the softest down to earth. 
They get to uh, walk free. <laughs> they, they, they get to eat, yeah. <laughs> they get to live at the bottom. There we go. Yeah. What did I think, mate? Yeah, it was good fun. We had a, a few good laughs there. We learned a little bit about each other and ourselves. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and we, you know, we've, we've had a bit more of a continuation of two great little extra things that we've been doing at the moment. Yeah. Which has been really cool. great fun. And, yeah, it's just been great. Well-rounded show, I think. Uh, feel free, guys, to uh, give us a review on iTunes. Every little bit helps. Uh, we don't make money from this. We don't. We never really set out to make money from this. But if we nah. did make money from this, that'd be awesome. But that's <laughs> not the agenda. The agenda here is just to catch up with each other and have a good laugh, and then hopefully make you people laugh and inform you of some things as well. Um, but the, the, at the very least, please tell your friends and family or anyone you think might be interested in this podcast, and um, yeah, spread the good word. But from me. Uh, that's it. So be good to yourself and be good to your goats. And from me, I'm going to talk for another half an hour or so. So see you later, Luke. No, it's all good. Take care, everyone. Have a great week. Turtles! Ooh.